When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Welcome to Spark My Muse. I'm your host, Lisa Colondile, and today is Soul School Lesson 258, New Beginnings. Uh, this is the first podcast of the new year. Welcome to 2023. And if you're listening later on after this, goodwill and blessings to you too. Today I'm going to do something typical for me. I read from New Seeds of Contemplation by Thomas Merton usually a few times a year. I love this book. I'm known for sharing it on this program, but I'm also going to read some of my own poetry, and I don't often do that. And today I'm going to be focusing on something that Thomas Merton writes on page 72 of New Seeds of Contemplation. He writes, As long as we are on earth, the love that unites us will bring us suffering by our very contact with one another, because this love is the resetting of a body of broken bones. Body is capitalized a body of broken bones. Even saints cannot live with saints on this earth without some anguish, without some pain at the differences that come between them. There are two things which people can do about the pain of disunion with others. They can love or they can hate. Hatred recoils from the sacrifice and the sorrow that are the price of this resetting of bones. And really, I think here he means like the, the bones of the human family, of the human organism, the dynamic of human beings. Hatred recoils from the sacrifice of the sorrow that are the price of this resetting of bones. It refuses the pain of reunion. There is in every weak, lost, isolated member of the human race an agony of hatred born of one's own helplessness, one's own isolation. Hatred is the sign that the expression of loneliness, of unworthiness, of insufficiency, and insofar as each one of us is lonely, is unworthy, each one hates themselves. Some of us are aware of the self-hatred, and because of it, we reproach ourselves and punish ourselves needlessly. Punishment cannot cure the feeling that we are unworthy. I'm going to stop for a second here and talk about punishment. 
So what does punishment look like when we do this to ourselves? So it might look like just beating yourself up and saying, you know, get this right. You're some kind of an idiot. What's wrong with you? And kind of punishing yourself in sort of castigating way. It could be punishing yourself by putting in front of you incredibly high standards that you know you're bound to fail at doing or goals you're bound to fail at doing and be upset with yourself and disappointed, kind of guaranteeing your own disapproval of yourself. Punishment can be treating yourself harder than you treat others, criticizing yourself more than you criticize others. If you're a person who is known to be extremely critical of others, you're a jerk. But if you're a person known to be very critical of yourself, why should you get a free pass? You're still being a jerk. What is this punishment about? Merton says, punishment cannot cure the feeling that we are unworthy. There is nothing we can do about it as long as we feel that we are isolated, insufficient, helpless, alone. Others who are less conscious of their own self-hatred realize it in a different form by projecting it onto others. When we're really dissatisfied with other people, but when other people really seem to bother us and irritate us, and everybody in the world is just sort of a huge pain, you hate other people in general for a period of time, that is a less conscious you, self-hating and projecting it. Few people realize this is what's actually going on. Projection is really sneaky that way. Anytime we have these great big emotions toward others, toward strangers especially, or even people we're more connected with, we have these strong emotions about what we don't like in them, what we can't tolerate in other people. That is an unconscious projection. There is no way someone else, someone else should incite in you such strong personal feelings. Why should they be that connected and enmeshed with you? It doesn't make any sense. Unless it's not really about them. Unless it's actually about you and it's triggering something in you. Merton says, there is a proud and self-confident hate, strong and cruel, which enjoys the pleasure of hating, for it is directed outward to the unworthiness of another. We've probably done this, and we probably really realize it in other people. I can say it now. We all know those people who seem to love hating people. They have a strong and cruel hatred. They even have a pleasure of hating others and being displeased with other people. But don't we also have that in ourselves? Can we see that in ourselves? If we are so preoccupied with these haters, we're preoccupied with haters, aren't we hating? Isn't that really only a projection of our own displeasure, our great displeasure? It's not with the other people, it's with ourselves. This is a piece of wisdom that can come very late in life. An adolescent level of emotional maturity will think that everything it must be about other people. It can't possibly be about my own inner work that needs to happen. It can't possibly be that I have an issue that I have to deal with and it's coming out in my reactions and feelings towards other people. Inevitably, it is. Merton says, but this strong and happy hate does not realize that, like all hate, it destroys and consumes the self that hates and not the object that is hated. Hate has this velocity to it, this fire that is a destroyer. And yet a hater, and I'm not talking about someone else, I'm talking about you, I'm talking about me. The hater consumes themselves. 
Hate in any form is self-destructive. And even when it triumphs physically, it triumphs in its own spiritual ruin. Strong hate, the hate that takes joy in hating, is strong because it does not believe itself to be unworthy and alone. That's a little bit from Thomas Merton. Again, New Seeds of Contemplation is just one of these perennial classics of spiritual wisdom that is evergreen. It winds up being a book of great insights to me, and it has been for years. Along the lines of Merton, I was inspired to write something myself, and I'll share it with you now. And this is really written uh, in general to humanity, but of course, because it's written in general to humanity, it's written to myself. Don't tell me you aren't looking for salvation. I've started watching you and everyone else, feeling around for it, starving, bleeding out, and mixing poisons. Have the courage, O oh my soul, to know your rest, to try the long exhale where your bones untangle and your joints stretch and bend to better sizes. The embrace you long for, the homecoming, the feeling of safety that feels like a fantasy from a colorized postcard is the mirror image of your disconnection within yourself. Your utter unfamiliarity with your own needs, loves, and hurts. The inner harmony lacking is mirrored as the threats and the contradictions you loathe. The abandonments you perceive are only echoes of the ones you've wreaked on yourself, the enemy, the one you've become to yourself, as you've tried to defend your life. Human wars are always partly invisible and last generations. Old hurts and cruelties are given us just like the shape of our nose or our eye color. Have the courage, O oh my soul, to receive yourself, to welcome your becoming, the making and unmaking of many disparate machinations, tripwires, and unusable fail-safes. Find your own embrace in the sense of your wisdom, the rich compensation you've gained in the suffering in falling and rising up again. The second one I hope will leave you with hope. A bit more to keep you going until the next time we meet. And this one's called Look for the Spark. Like a million raindrops that fall into a garden, but only one kind of drop coming in a certain way from the sky must land on a certain leaf, which must then hit a long flower petal which drips at a certain speed to ring a silver chime in the garden. At that very moment, you must take notice and smile back at the conductor of the universe, wink at the grand design as you acknowledge the perfect serendipity. Before the secret has passed you by, a lucid sacred crossing in the cosmic tapestry that touched you. There may be, for a moment, a glimmer of connection, and it feels fresh and like deja vu all at once. A spark of connection to another kindred soul 
feels the same way. These are breadcrumbs in the dark forest. In a swirling sea, a boy. A thread into the abyss of pain or loneliness. If you've ever felt or seen this magic-like glimmer, then you must know there must be more. You wait for it like good news. You hold out hope. And as I wrote that one, I was really thinking about the times that we connect, these kind of perfect moments. We might connect with someone else. We might connect with some just small moment uh, with nature or this perfect moment in time. It might just last a few seconds or it might just be a sense or a feeling. And those very sacred moments give me such hope. And they're out there. There's many of them. But we really do have to pay attention and notice them. And hopefully as we do those types of things and we get out of our own way, especially the, the way of self-loathing and hatred that we can notice in ourselves by noticing how we're projecting it on other people and other problematic people we think we have all these problems with. We can look for those sacred moments in our day that can flip the script and turn things around for us where we stop thinking in certain terms and start thinking more hopefully. And my hope for this new year is that many of these moments become apparent to you and that you realize that you are accompanied in this world. You're accompanied by love in many, many forms and that you embrace that love back, that you reach out and love and that you fully embrace love when it reaches out to you. May you take that gift with blessing and peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. 
creating an audio ad is time consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.